James, you know how we love talking about the future. New products, betas, we like to get ahead of ourselves. Well, this week, we're going to get doubly ahead of ourselves. We're going to talk about the future of the future. You ready for this? We're going to talk about .NET 5, baby. .NET 5, the future of the future of .NET. The future, future, not too far away future of the future. Yeah. I love it. We, we haven't officially released .NET 3, but I guess .NET 3 has been in previews and betas for a while now. So we kind of know what it's going to look like. We know its features and everything. So let's look well, ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, .NET Core 3, right? So yeah, maybe we should start <sighs> there, actually, seeing that we've already oh, confused ourselves. So let's break <laughs> down why we even, one, care about .NET 5, where .NET 4 went, where .NET Core 4 went. And what is .NET versus .NET Core versus Framework versus what are these runtimes? Frank, oh explain. <laughs> okay, I guess this is the, also the version episode, huh? Every every year, or so we have to update everyone on what version is everything. Okay, so um, .NET, we have a few different runtimes for it. We have the .NET Framework, the original. We have Mono. Um, back in the day, there were a few others. Um, you know, these are the things that take your IL code, your assemblies, and make them run. They're important. The runtime. What a good name for them. Um, let's see. What are the versions? So .NET Framework is up to like 4.8. That's uh, runtime. Yep. .NET Core. That's currently at 2. Point, who knows? 2.2, I think-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, with a 3.0 coming out soon. Anytime now. I really don't know the schedule. <laughs> and <laughs> we have Mono, which, you know, I get confused with its versions, but I think it's at like 5. 12 somewhere around there but basically it's compatible with .NET Core 2 and compatible with .NET Framework 4. Whoo. Do you think everyone followed along followed along with that? <laughs> I think so and you know these are the runtimes that like you said execute your your IL and make your your app run and we know that traditionally .NET Framework is is that was like you know Unlike Mono, Mono and .NET Core have a lot more in similarity than .NET Framework because .NET mm-hmm. Framework ships in the box. Yeah, if you will. it's it's a part of Windows, um, and it's it's funny because organizationally at Microsoft, it's actually two different teams, but they ship together, they work together, and so whenever uh, they wanted to update the .NET Framework, you basically had to ship a new version of Windows. So schedules were locked. Um, Visual Studio would have to get involved with that, you know. So everything's kind of in lockstep, and that just you know makes things harder to organize. And sometimes you want to move fast on one product and move at a different pace on another product. So I think what we're seeing here with .NET 5, which we'll get to explaining in detail, but uh, I think this is Microsoft saying uh, we want to break this lockstep uh, cycle that we're in. Yeah, they want to be able to move forward quicker. I think you really, you know, that really paints a picture of, well, framework, which which isn't going away, right? Obviously, it runs Windows, it's runs Windows. a lot of <laughs> yeah. Windows and 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 Office and runs entity framework six and and apps but there is this path forward we did an episode how i was talking about running my wpf app on .NET core 3 so the benefit of a .NET core or a mono application with those runtimes is that they're bundled into your application so uh, for most intensive purposes like yes you can install mono onto your machine and run apps against that mono but most likely when you're packaging up an application you are packaging up the runtime 
uh, in a, in a specific way for that platform. So like as a, as a, you know, mobile developer, we didn't really have to worry about anything. We're just like, let me just build my app and we're off to the races. We've lived this great life for what, 10 years now where we're just like, yeah, you know, there's a runtime. It's in my, it's in my app. No big deal. But, Oh, James, it's been amazing, huh? Like even in the early days, mono touch days, um, there'd be funny little things. And I'd ask Miguel, hey, could I have a custom build that does this one magic thing that I need? And they'd give me a custom build. And it didn't matter um, what software people's phones were running because the runtime is integrated into the app. So I could use custom builds of the runtime, you know, in my apps and everything would work out fine. What a good life, huh? And we've talked about packaging a lot. And I always say that it's just a pet peeve of mine or a mental hurdle I always can't get over is I hate asking people to install dependencies with my apps. I just want my app to be a single EXE. You double click it. It just runs. It should be, you know, same thing on a Mac, a single dot app. And we don't have that with .NET Framework. You always had to tell people, sorry, you got to update your .NET Framework. But with the core CLR and with mono packaging, you could achieve it. And I think um, what we're seeing is people just recognize that that's kind of a better way <laughs> to distribute this runtime than to force everyone to be lockstep into a same version. It's very true. In fact, if I open up my .NET directory on my machine, <laughs> so you can you can do this. And if you've installed Visual Studio, it has definitely installed many a dot net so you can do this by going into your c drive into your uh where is it is it in my program, program files? file oh no yep. uh windows system never mind i don't know where they put anything anymore <laughs> it's in program files dot net and i have for all intents and purposes let's look here i have 20 versions mm. of the dot net <laughs> core sdk installed to a lot of two one and a lot of two two and a three oh I imagine you have 20 different .NET apps on that computer because that's usually how it goes. Everyone's app has a slightly different requirement and therefore you need a slightly different .NET framework. And, you know, the truth is hard drive space these days is pretty cheap. Um, When you take a photo with your iPhone, it's six megabytes. And I'm pretty sure .NET Core all packaged up is about six megabytes. So, you know, it's not that big of an ask to ship the runtime. And that's why, like, you know, the, the .NET Core tooling, which I have tons installed already, which is totally fine because I'm a developer. And then, yeah, you're right. Like, there's tons of .NET Framework versions. And it's the worst when you go to install something. It's like, oh, go install .NET 3.0 or 3.5. And you're like, what? I don't, what are you talking about? It's like, do it or do it for me. And you're like, do you want to install? Like, yeah. do I want to install this? I don't know. You know, because yeah. you need to install these legacy apps. But regardless, it is amazing that Windows and .NET can really run all these old apps like it totally works like it's really awesome yeah but you're right like i in an ideal world i could just give you an axiom and it would just run and that's the world that it's moved to with .NET core 3 right which you know is is the is the future not the future future but the future of of where (laughs) .NET is going um it's going to run your desktop applications and and all your web workloads and things like that but we're still in this world where there's those three things that exist, Frank, there's still those things. And I believe that Microsoft wants to fix that. So how are they fixing it, Frank? (laughs) Do you want to tee it up and and talk about it? I'll I'll, I'll do my best here. They are fixing it, James, by increasing the version number. (laughs) We are all, yeah, done. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, whatever. Semantic versioning. We're fixing it that way. So introducing James.NET 5. 
no more .NET Core, no more Mono, no more .NET Framework, only .NET 5. And this isn't just marketing. This is a technical thing. So the big deal here is that they're unifying the um, what I always called the base class library, the BCL, but is really called CoreFX, that library, you know, system dot, the thing that everyone uses in every app. There, that thing is fractured. The mono version, slightly different from the .NET Framework version, slightly different from the um, .NET Core version, and we're finally going to unify those. Now, this sounds like .NET Standard, and the difference is .NET Standard was standardized interfaces. It said which classes exist, which methods exist. It said nothing about the implementation, but now we're actually unifying the implementation. And that's only a good thing because that just means the bug fixes and improvements will be distributed out to everyone. So there's that neat thing, which we can keep talking about. And then the other one that I like a lot is that it's unifying a lot of the tooling. So instead of um, having Mono being a separate tool and .NET being uh, .NET Core being a separate tool, they're unified into just .NET, <laughs> .NET 5, and you can choose which runtime to use, and you can choose whether to use AOT or JIT, and just unifying them. The sad news is .NET Framework is going to kind of stabilize where it is now, and Microsoft is really pushing everyone to move on to .NET 5. How, how was that for an overview? We're, we're going to dive in, I'm sure, but as an overview. Yeah, it's a good overview because a lot of people have come to me over the last two years, I think since two, three years since Sonic Core came out and everyone would ask me like, when is, when is, you know, when is Xamarin moving to Donut Core? When's this? And when's that? And I said, why, why do you, why do you want that? You know, why do you, why do you need that? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it just, that would just make, you know, it would make sense. Right. Or it'd be like, I don't know, but you know, I, I just want that. And I'm like, oh, you don't know why you, no one know what, knows why you want yeah. that. Right. Well, the reason that you want something like this and, and for, for a long time, there was no necessarily reason. And what the mono team had done is they literally took this thing called CoreFX. So CoreFX is the sort of foundational BCL libraries of .NET Core. Mm -hmm. That's open Love source. It. This is why I use .NET, because it's just this giant library that you can rely on. I learned how to use HTTP client. I can use it on any platform. It The, the core library is a major selling point of any platform. So yep. it's important. Important. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the baseline for NuGet. I, I, you know, I, NuGet's always the thing that we we should talk more about, but don't. But a lot of this is going to help um, simplify NuGet too, because we'll be able to rely on uh, a core effects that we can trust and know works everywhere. That is one of the the huge parts of it as well, which is like, hey, yeah, we want you know to run a, a one line of code, and it should run pretty much exactly the same, if not exactly the same, everywhere. And that's what this will do because the mono team that had powered any of the, the Xamarin apps or other workloads, they were taking a lot of the core effects code and like migrating it where it made sense. But what this really means is that that same exact core effects will just be the same core effects everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. the same. It's literally the same code. Like it's yeah. the same. 
so this uh the reason i'm really excited about it we we should talk more about dotnet standard how it relates to all this but i kept noticing that dotnet core kept adding all these cool little features to their bcl and they weren't a part of dotnet standard and sometimes mono would pick them up sometimes not because they were technically separate projects and they weren't going through a standardization process so with this unification things are much better. All the cool little API advancements that have been happening in .NET Core will come over to Xamarin Workloads and um, what else? Web, you know, (laughs) Web API. (laughs) Yeah, technically this will span (laughs) Windows, Linux, Mac, mobile, tvOS, (laughs) WebAssembly, IoT, whatever. Whatever can compute, we'll get it to run this stupid thing. <laughs> yeah, wherever you want to run the code, it'll run the code. No, you 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 are correct, and that was always the 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 issue. And then it, then you would have to say, okay, if we add a feature to .NET, then we have to add it to .NET standard, and then developers have to go opt into .NET standard uh, into the new version. They have to release a new version of the library, and then do other things fall off. You know, it's kind of this. Like, oh, like, you know, it's kind of tedious, right? But if literally it's just .NET that's updating, like you just install Visual Studio and you have new features that work on all of the platforms, then that's a lovely day for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. Um, I, I saw um, the .NET Core team had just written a new JSON parser and nothing against Newtonsoft. Love my Newtonsoft. But, you know, sometimes you love speed, too. <laughs> and so we can get all those libraries and don't have to wait around for them or do it through NuGet or anything like that. It's very exciting. But I think the other interesting part, James, is that they are doubling down. And by they, I mean all of us, Microsoft and the community, are doubling down on AOT, ahead of time compilation. And it's becoming a real um, a real proper feature in .NET 5. We've had .NET Native over on Windows. We've had Xamarin's AOT and Mono's AOT. And now all that nice, sweet, sweet AOT technology is going to be across the board available. Well, you know, 90% across the board, but mostly across (laughs) the board. (laughs) And this is going to be required, you know, and traditionally applications are just-in-time compiled, so jitted, if you will. And this .NET 5 is going to have the two modes. And, and you know, we call it AOT, but I don't actually, you know, that is a term now. But what they were saying, I was watching Hanselman and Hunter's presentation, and what they tried to call it was native, native, which is kind of slash okay. AOT. So what this mode says is people are like, oh, what about ahead of time compilation? What about this? Or how does everything compiles different? And it's like, yeah, no, 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 totally. Like every platform is a little different, which means that the the compilation that your app will go through is going to have to go be a little bit different because uh, iOS applications are forced to be ahead of time compiled, which is like a really beautiful thing um, because it means that the code is fast and yeah. <laughs> um, it just runs really <laughs> like on the metal. So what this means is that all of CoreFX will now be able to go through that static compilation and they're going to work on supporting as many operating systems as they can and smaller footprints. And then you, you get to decide, you know, if, if there's an option of I want to AOT this app or not AOT this app, you can decide and there'll be smart defaults. But if you're in a world 
where you can only AOT, then that will be your option, just like it kind of has always been. So the idea there is same processes, fully supported. It's core effect. There's not two teams. I think that was a kind of important part that you talked about earlier is the teams want to run faster and add more features faster. And right now they have to do it three times, you know, and how do you (laughs) make it faster? Well, you don't do it three times. You do it once, right? And you have have the same engineers, but they can work on one thing instead of three things. And and that would probably be really, really nice to do. You know what I mean? So, you know, as a Unix person, I just love single executable. You know, there should just be a little binary file that I put in a bin folder, no dependencies. It just works, all that stuff. I love that. And it's always been possible. We've always been able to, you can compile your app, you can link it, you can AOT it, you can package it, but you're going to have to read a lot of blog posts. It's going to be a different process on every operating system. You're going to have a lot of scripts. I've done this a lot. I'm speaking from experience. The great thing here is that they're in embracing that entire pipeline that's whatever that whole thing and it's just going to be settings in a project file you can say yes aot it yes package it yes link it and the tooling will just take care of it so i love that 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 mode of distribution is becoming um mainline stream main streamlined and mainline both of them thanks tooling yeah and then i have a second thing that I love. And that's that the interpreter, it's funny because the JIT is great. The um, core CLR runtime JIT, it's fast. It's wonderful. We've talked about performance a lot, but of course it can't be native AOT. That That is the absolute fastest. The problem with uh, native AOT is you can't re- load anything dynamically, kind of by definition. It's ahead of time, not now time. And to get around that, um, we have the interpreter coming along. And that's great because that opens up a lot of scenarios on iOS. We've talked about it before, but I just love that these kind of out there edge case technologies, I've been using all this stuff for years, but painfully is becoming mainline. I, I just, this is perfect for me. <laughs> this is exactly the direction I've been pushing .NET to go and wanting .NET to go. Well, and and we sort of saw, you know, I'm obviously very close to the the teams, and and you sort of saw that .NET itself wanted to to move, right? .NET's been around for so long. When a lot of people try to evaluate, like, oh, it's you know, it's older, whatever. It's like, well, .NET itself is moving extremely fast. No, not fra- frameworks, not, but Mono and and Core are. And now we can say, well, like all of .NET, everything that we're moving, which you can build for everything, is going to move super fast. It feels like a real thing that's that's progressing fast because with this sort of unification, is it's not only unification of the class libraries, of the runtime, of the compilation, but also it means that, guess what? You know, um, you can now ship C sharp features that are going to run everywhere and you don't have to worry and wait for mono to implement new features or down at framework to implement new features or this right it's you get everything all at once and it sort of trickles i think too that people may not quite understand the the beauty of this is that yeah everything comes at once so when Mm -hmm. you update just everything updates and you get everything right so you're going to get all of the 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 C sharp and F sharp features and the the compilation enhancements and and everything 
across the board. Um, and, and that's really something that makes me happy at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, um, you know, there's been always a funny question about will we ever see Visual Studio for Mac running on .NET Core? And the answer is no, you never will. But you will see it, I think, running on .NET 5. And it's fun to see that because for the longest time, Mono developed Xamarin Studio, now Visual Studio, that has been mostly a Mono project. And But you know, Mono has issues. It's just not always the fastest. It, you know, has these things. It's AOT is amazing, but it's just just not as fast. And I think one of the most exciting things I read about all this unification process is they're going to make a concerted effort to have um, Visual Studio for Mac running on RyuJit, which, you know me, performance. I'm, I'm just going to keep saying performance every five minutes in this podcast. <laughs> Such a junkie. Uh, I'm just really excited to see uh, that huge product move over to .NET Core. Ugh, see, I messed up, .NET 5. <laughs> and I think it, but you can also see it as a bit of inspiration for those who are on .NET Framework to see that you can move a big project over to this. The feature compatibility has gotten really good these days. I think the only places you run are um, operating system level stuff where you'll always run into problems with cross-platform apps. But it's really inspiring to see them push to get Visual Studio for Mac running on .NET 5. Yeah, that'll be super duper nice. And in fact, the ideal scenario then is that since everything is running on .NET 5 itself, then my apps are all running on .NET 5 and it's going to be like this exact same environment, I guess, that you're you're running and developing everything in. So if Visual Studio for Mac is built on .NET 5, then the cool thing is like if they need more features and they add more features and everybody gets the new features, just like when ASP.NET Core is like relying on .NET Core and they need these performance you know, enhancements, they put it in <laughs> and they get it and the rest of .NET Core gets it, but then not everyone else. So now everyone gets everything. I think that's... <laughs> The important it's part, free. I guess. So yeah, candy. I just candy. love it. Unification, yeah. <laughs> candy, and unify. Here, unifying will give you some candy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it's good timing too because um, the new version of Mac OS is gonna be sixty-four bit only, and so we need to keep moving our runtimes on. Mono has um, a sixty-four bit version for sure, so that's always possible. But you know the trick with Mac is um, a lot of a lot of uh, tools like GDK libraries use some old APIs, and those old APIs are vanishing in the 64-bit world. Mm. So it's exciting to see um, Visual Studio really get thrown into the future, the future of the future, and become uh, an awesome 64-bit app using all new APIs and hopefully running on a super fast JIT or even AOT, who knows? And we as app developers can take advantage too. We've already mentioned packaging all these things together. Uh, We've been doing this with UWP and .NET Native, but we can start all taking advantage of this opportunity to get off uh, older frameworks, older runtimes, and leap on in to the future. And we're, we're seeing that with .NET Core 3, and they're just doubling down with .NET 5. Yeah, you're you're right. I think that that's the nice thing is, is everyone is sort of pushing forward. I just got an email from Google that said, hey, 
you know, you're running some native code, you need a 64 bit version, which is kind of funny, funny actually talking about 64 bit <laughs> version. And I, I can already do that today. So like, that's not, a, that's not an issue at all. Um, but yeah. it's quite, it's quite entertaining. So as these platforms ad- advance, sort of everything's can advance with it. So yeah, that is, you know, we're, we're being nice. optimistic. I hope we don't have a podcast in six months. We're like, James, I can't run any 32 bit apps and everything's broken. Oh, my God. But I think it's going to be fine. We've had years of I mean, .NET Core is pretty mature at this point. We know what mm-hmm. it is. Mono is very mature at this point. So the exciting thing is we're just taking mature technologies and squishing them together, making them hold hands <laughs> together. And um, that that unification of the library is just going to have so many benefits that we're going to survive it. I have faith. I have doubts yeah. and I have faith <laughs> that we can well, there's the, the unification of the runtimes, but there's a unification of when the thing ships, right? I think that we know, <laughs> actually, you know, we know that in six months that nothing is going to ship for .NET 5. We do know that in yeah. six months, .NET Core 3.1 will be released for LTS support because Whoa. .NET finally has a schedule. Oh, what? We don't do schedules. So- software people, you know, if you have a schedule, you're going to miss a schedule. That's why you don't have a schedule. Um, did Mono ever have a schedule? I don't even know, to be honest. <laughs> no, no. Okay, so we have a schedule. Deadlines. We can hold people accountable. Mm. Sounds fun. Tell me more. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. You can hold things accountable, but it's also the predictability of it. Now, that's not to say that there won't be minor bumps and bug fixes along (laughs) the way, but we're talking the major releases, you know, the big 5.5, 6.7, 7.8, 9.25. You know, we actually could predict that out. And this, this is actually really nice. And I thought that this was one of the, Besides .NET 5 being a cool announcement, I thought that this was a really cool announcement because, you know, having to update .NET or your 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 Visual Studios or your environment is always like, when is it updating? What am I on now? And I couldn't necessarily know like, hey, I need to get ready for the release season, right? We always talk about iOS and, and, <laughs> and Apple and, and, you know, Android updating all the time and Windows updating. But what about .NET? When do we? When is it going to update? And when are we going to get these major features? And when is it going to rev? We're going to get new stuff. Well, we're going to get new stuff every November. Just every November, it's there, and it's a brand new version. So this is very reminiscent of. I like to think of it as Node, right? You know, you know when you like Node. Um, was it Node.dev? Is that what it is? Um, when you go to the mm, Node.js website. Me. Okay, mm. so uh, let me. Explain they have a good schedule. Here. They. Node.js. So they have, I don't know if they have a schedule, but they, they do. They have a, they have a long LTS, long-term support schedule. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit more advanced than the short thing. But in general, what it says is this is when Node.js 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 are coming out, right? This is when it's, okay. and here is the one that is active and maintained. Like here's how long it will be maintained for too. Yeah. So yeah, should, and, should we clarify LTS? I think everyone 
probably knows what that means. But the nice idea here is because the versions are going to be moving so fast, there might be cases where you just want to stick to a version. And so the LTS version is that version you would stick to. If you just want to use .NET Core 3 for the rest of your life, you say, nevermore, <laughs> I never need a new API, I never need a new tool, you would just stick to the LTS. At least, how, how long do those go for? Is it five years, 10 years that they keep doing maintenance and security updates for? Well, at least Node.js does 30 months, but... Mm, less. Okay. Um, but I think I'm, .NET's longer just because Microsoft has a better history, more employees. <laughs> I, I believe, don't quote me, I be, do believe that Microsoft's LTS may be five years, but I'm not positive. Yeah. That's, That's what I time. would have guessed. See, here we are, just guessing away. Guessing away. I, I love, yeah, I love that it's November... Because, yeah, the operating systems update in the uh, summertime. And I remember there would be a few bad years uh, using Xamarin where the runtime would update along with um, all of Apple's new libraries and everything. And so you had like code breaking and libraries breaking. And it was like, oh, no, I I hate the summer. (laughs) But now we're going to pace it out. So your app will break because Apple broke you in the summer. And then hopefully you won't break at all, but you can um, upgrade your runtimes, upgrade your versions in November. I like that pacing. That works for me. Yeah, it's a good pacing. And it's at least far enough away from other things. That's good. And it's predictable. So to me, as a developer, this is cool. I believe also this is a big win for enterprises and companies that are running sure. <laughs> everything. They're like, oh, yeah. when does it come out? All right, here we go. It's like, do they know now how long, at least we don't know how long, but like somebody will know how <laughs> long that LTS is. So we know uh, that. .NET 5, which again, this is the future of the future because it comes out November 2020. So we're talking about Ooh, a lot of 18 months, months um, 18 months. Yeah, that many. <laughs> and then we know .NET 6 comes out in 2021, .NET 7 in 2022, and .NET 8 in 2023. <laughs> I don't even know what I'll be doing in 2023, but I do know .NET 8 apparently will go into LTS support. So there you go. perfect perfect now um let's take a break from the future future just for one second and remind me what the current future is when is uh .NET core 3 officially released or is that out and when was Mm -hmm. the lts so great question great question so that is part of the .NET schedule because now .NET has a single schedule so since .NET core is sort of the the push forward there's going to be .NET core 3 which will go into ga um, September 2019, but then what they're saying is they are going to do a .NET Core 3.1 in November to help align. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They they just got to get the 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 initial release bugs out. You know, we we all do it. You get that .0 out, but you really you're waiting for that .1. Classic software development. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, cause I did not know any of those dates and I thought I paid attention to build and I still miss those dates. So that's cool. I'll finally have a release and we all know C sharp eight. I think I'm going to give C sharp eight a bell soon. It gets a ding. I'm just so excited for it. It should. Um, it's, it's, it's in the windows version. I know it's coming to Mac soon, but I'm imagining that it may align with these dates too. And what I would hope to see, this is what this is. I have no inside baseball, literally no inside baseball. But what I would love to see 
in a world where this this .NET 5 comes out is that .NET 5 comes out and then that's when C Sharp 9 comes out, right? And then when .NET 6 come out, C Sharp 10, like it just keeps going. Like every year you just get a new version of C Sharp. Now you get point releases along the way if they want to add new features, but they could sim ship and then everybody gets it, right? Again, this is the world where everybody gets everything and then it just it just works and that's a nice, beautiful thing. Yeah, the reason I keep saying C Sharp 8 is because if you go download a .NET Core 3 beta right now, you get C Sharp 8. That's the only reason I keep throwing that in there. I don't even know if it's the default, you know, if you do file new project, but we'll find out. I have a feeling they're going to turn it on because why not? And I love this this yearly cadence. Like you said, it's predictable. It's understandable. So when we're up to C Sharp 12, we'll be like, oh, remember four years ago when we had C Sharp 8? <laughs> yeah, they... Oh God. They changed, they changed this a little bit uh, to get your question about like how it picks on it. So in Visual Studio 2017, what they did is they had a default. So if you had nothing in your CS proj, it would use the latest major release. Right. I'd forgotten about this, right? Latest major release. Okay. So that'd be That's seven right now. C sharp seven. seven. And then 7. if 0. you <laughs> Yeah, then if you wanted to use newer features like seven one, seven, two, seven, three, you had to go turn those on manually. Got it. Yeah. And is that the way it's gonna be? Or are they changing that? No, and that has changed. So okay. now in Visual Studio 2019, it's default. If you have nothing in your CS proj, is use the latest. Just use the latest. Love it. Just use yeah. the latest. Come well, on, why not? People, use catch the latest. Up. Do it. It's like a 20 meg download. It's fine. <laughs> just do it while you're sipping your coffee. <laughs> yeah. It's already in there, uh, well, right? It's already in there. So you might as well just <laughs> get it, right? So Yeah, I'm going I'm thinking back to our lightning around question where we're like, should you use the latest language features? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course it. you should. <laughs> There's a reason they were put there. Um yeah, cool, cool. Ah, James. Um, so what are you going to do with your, are you going to port all your apps immediately? Do you think uh, it's going to have any effect on library developers? Ooh, I like that question. Yeah. What are you going to do? Are you going to stick to .NET standard or are you going to start shipping .NET 5 DLLs? This is a good question. So when I was talking to Emo, we had a conversation about it, but then they also started to sort of talk about it on one of the .NET community standups a little bit more. People had questions, but at least from the the standards like not going away, I think they're going to decide if they're going to just create a new one, like a 2.1 or a 3.0 or something. Sure. Um, they do, We do know that the framework is going to stay on .NET standard 2.0. So the question is, like, do you even create a new one? I mean, this is to me, like I'm thinking this in my head. Yeah. Because I was, I'm a library creator and this says implications. But actually, I don't think it has any implications because .NET 5 will run every .NET standard 2.0 library. Okay. Yes. Obviously, because yes. yeah. it'll be a .NET 5 will be a superset yeah. of everything. Yeah. I like and that because .NET standard stays the safe zone. Yeah. All the work we've been doing for the last years to port our stuff to it, none of that changes. It's still the safe, happy zone. It's the safe, happy zone is if you want to ensure that your library is going to run and also have this backwards compatibility mode on any of the older stuff, especially like if people are still building older apps or whatever for some time, 
But then in the future, right, the future of the future of the future, let's say three futures out, you know, Donut 5 <laughs> is already out. We're in a happy world. You know, not everyone's transitioned yet. So you got to give people some time. Yeah. Yeah. The question still shipping is some standards, yeah. still shipping some standards. Like, could you not? Because if everybody's just running this, is, this is my theory, right? If yeah. you and I was trolling in the chat, too, because I was like putting on my <laughs> hypotheses. But if everybody is just running .NET 5, then you don't need a standard because everybody has the same APIs. And if the tooling works, then you just ship a .NET 5 library, like a class library, yeah. and it just works everywhere. Yeah. That's the goal. Yep. You think that's the goal? Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. And I'm curious to see how the community embraces it. But we all just say, yep, to the heck with it. Let's all standardize on that one library. Or do we stick with the interfaces and standards approach? Boy, it's tough to argue, right? I, I like the interface and standards approach because it's engineering wise, you know, kind of the more clean solution. It has a better, well, there's a standard body. There's more people thinking through those things. But as we keep saying, just give me those libraries. Just give me the future. Just give me that stuff. And It'll be interesting to see if, yeah, people just do .NET 5 libraries and they're binary. You know, they won't work on anything but .NET 5 and on forward compatibility, but not backwards compatibility. I'm curious. I really don't have an answer. Um, what will I do? I'm, I take shortcuts, James. So knowing me, I would, maybe not for public libraries that I ship out, but definitely for my apps, I'll just target .NET 5. Yeah. Yeah, always for your apps. Why wouldn't you get all of the? Because I go crazy sometimes. I'm like, oh, if, if it, I want clean code, then I should use .NET standard for my core logic. But then other times I'm just like, you're being stupid. Just <laughs> use the use the platform libraries. <laughs> yeah, use the platform Don't over-engineer this. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, because in a world where like, oh, we may take this code somewhere. Let's do that. You know what I mean? But then, yeah, yeah. there you go. So. Yeah. Don't over-engineer it. It's always easier to refactor than to put artificial constraints on your stuff. Yeah, I agree. The future of the future, James. The future. Wow, we're really getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> we are. We are. But that's okay because, you know, we announced it. So why not, right? Just like, just do it. So And there's a um, schedule. We're going to hold them to the schedule. Pitchforks will <laughs> start screaming, where's our .NET 5? Where's my AOT? <laughs> yeah. Poor Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, all right. Well, let's, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, even though we are super amped. And, you know, as things get closer, I'm sure we'll be talking about it because just like we've yeah. been with you for the last 150 episodes, we'll be with you for the next 150 episodes. And who knows? what .NET will be going through. I want to I want to go back in our <laughs> old episodes from like three years ago. Like, what what were we talking about about with .NET? Oh, it would be so funny. We could do a clip show where we just make fun of ourselves, our terrible ideas. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty funny. Send us your favorite timestamped clips. There you go. There you go. Just we'll, go we'll back hire to... an editor for $10,000 an hour to put together a show. There you go. AKA me late night doing it. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> I'll right. buy a coffee. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, Frank, well, go enjoy the rest of your holiday. I'm going to go head off because it's uh, a three day weekend. So I hope everyone has hopefully if you have Monday off here in, in the U.S., yeah. enjoy your enjoy your day while listening to this podcast. And thanks to the .NET teams for creating .NET 5. Uh, and we're excited for it to come out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wear your sunscreen. <laughs> That's right. All right. Everyone have a great day. Thank you so much. Of course, do all the things. We would love if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That super duper helps us out. We don't ask super often, but if you're there, if you're listening right there, that'd be great. If you're using other platforms such as Overcast and you want to share it out, that also helps us a lot. We super appreciate that. Share it on the Twitters and tell a friend about us. And of course, you can write to us. Go to MergeConflict.fm. We love those emails. So we like to read them and, and read them back from time to time on the podcast. But I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.